podcast about product management, user experience design, technology, and more. This is Product by Design. All right, welcome to another episode of Product by Design. I am Kyle Evans, and today we are joined by another awesome guest, Russ Hawkins. Welcome to the show, Russ. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Kyle. All right. Well, let me introduce Russ briefly, and then Russ, you can tell us a little bit more about yourself. But Russ Hawkins is the president and CEO of the leading data technology company, Agilens. And Russ has spent over 35 years in the technology industry, helping establish organizations and small startups reach their full potential by driving change from the inside, which I'm super excited to talk about because I think driving change is an uh, a critical part of any business and driving it from the inside is I have personally found very, very challenging at times. So excited to talk about your experience, Russ, and uh, some of the things that you are working on and have worked on. But before we do that, why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Sure. Well, first of all, thanks for thanks for having me again. I, I think it's a it's a great opportunity for me to talk a little bit about Agilence. And by the way, the name is Agilence, so it's a contraction of Agile Intelligence. Push those two together, you get Agilence. Yep. Um, and you know, Agilence is the latest company that uh, that I'm running, but it but uh, it is one of uh, uh, three startup companies that uh, that I've run, but. You know, going back in 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 history, you know, I'm I'm from Boston originally, and come from a long line of Boston firemen, and my my career is based on the fact that I love to talk and I love to <laughs> I love to try to convince people uh, to see things my way. And uh, my uh, my sainted mother used to say that uh, I could talk a dog off a meat wagon, and uh, and so that's kind of ingrained in my head over my whole life. Uh, as I said, I grew up in Boston, and and I was not a wealthy family. Uh, and uh, what I saw um, in terms of career was uh, an opportunity to essentially run my own business by being uh, in sales. And so uh, much of my early background is in sales. Uh, I ended up working for what came to be uh, various iterations of uh, AT&T, the telephone company, uh, and was right around the time back, now I'm, now I'm aging myself here back in the 80s when uh, the company was being broken up as it should have been. Uh, and uh, that change, which was really an external change, not uh, not change from the inside, this was clearly change from the outside uh, with the government essentially breaking up the company into multiple pieces, turned out to be a great, great opportunity for me uh, because uh, uh, in this uh, disarray that resulted from the breakup, um, I got to to just sit around and ask questions and uh, and to execute on my uh, uh, my ability to talk and uh, uh, and my desire to to drive uh, to drive the business and and so uh, for about fifteen years I worked in a variety of capacities uh, at AT and T through a tumultuous period in their uh, in their history. Uh, this external change required internal change in this case, and uh, uh, I got uh, I got a front row seat in kind of the repositioning of a major company in the U.S. As the years progressed and in the '90s, uh, what I was noticing is that in the run up to to the year 2000, the tech industry was just bonkers. It was just going crazy, and 
uh, I got recruited. I had an opportunity to go out and, and be the sales vice president for a small startup uh, out of Connecticut uh, that was in the data communications business. And, uh, you know, I absolutely loved it. I loved the, the smallness of it compared with coming from AT&T. And what I especially liked about it was that you could impact uh, the company. You could affect change uh, very quickly uh, by understanding where you wanted to go and then, uh, and then helping uh, the rest of the company to understand why, why it made sense to go there and then uh, working together with them to, to lay out a, a plan uh, for change. And so that's kind of become my modus operandi over the years. Uh, this is the first company that I was recruited into as a sales VP was a company called Paragon Networks. Uh, and they were a data communications equipment company. And basically what I did was go in with open eyes and engage everybody, whether it was the team or our competitors or customers, and try to understand what, what was the, the true underlying value proposition of the company. And then based on that uh, proposition and the technology uh, assets that we had, uh, working with the team to, to build a new strategy. And so... Uh, with Paragon, we, we went from selling to uh, connect branch offices in banks to uh, providing connectivity for wireless networks because they were a big and growing area back in the 90s. And the technology that we had turned out to be relatively easily adaptable to wireless networks. And uh, the growth vectors in wireless were, were much, much more uh, aggressive and interesting than uh, handling, uh, you know, bank branch connectivity. And so it was really an engine for growth. And it, it opened my eyes to the, uh, to the opportunity to kind of reassess companies and to work with the existing teams to, to change the strategy and change the go-to-market and change uh, the goals and objectives of the company. And, and subsequent to that, I've, I've done it two other times, uh, uh, my uh, second company was a company called, uh, started as Infinicon. It's a pretty hard name to say and has, uh, has some uh, pretty unusual meanings in foreign languages. Anyway, I, without going into all that, I changed the company's name to Silverstorm. Uh, it was a high-performance computing company uh, and basically did the same thing. Most high-performance computing companies at the time were focused on government and on uh, uh, academic uh, environments. And I basically threw that out the window along, along with the team uh, and decided to focus strictly on some sub, sub-segments of business. So oil and gas exploration, uh, video rendering, and uh, financial uh, management or financial concerns were the three areas that we changed our focus on and made that company very successful. And And both of those companies were successful enough to to sell to large public companies for uh, uh, for an interesting number, for good numbers, where uh, everybody, especially the team, uh, were able to make money and, and the investors also were able to make money and be happy. Uh, Agilence is my third company. Uh, when I arrived here, it was originally a, a specialized hardware company. They made network video recorders. And uh, uh, we did that business for a couple of years, and then I decided that we really did need to go through a process of reevaluating what our value proposition was, what our technical assets were, uh, and how we could leverage those in the uh, 
uh, market as it existed today. And so the, we made a major pivot in the business to uh, data analytics and uh, and we haven't looked back since. And so since then, we've been uh, aggressively pursuing uh, a data analytic value proposition for retail and restaurant chains. These are large, uh, large operations. And uh, uh, today we have uh, more than 200 uh, retailers that are using our product. And this past year, we, we grew by about uh, uh, 16% in terms of new logos and, and new recurring revenue. Uh, and I think we can uh, we can improve on that as we move forward and expect to be able to grow in the uh, the 30 to 40 percent range as we move forward. And all of it is a result of kind of reassessing what the capabilities of the companies that I've been involved with are, uh, engaging with the team to try to understand their views of what our values were. Uh, and then looking at the external market to see how they fit and what kind of use cases and uh, value propositions we could bring to our target customers. And, and that process has been one that's uh, served me well over the, over the years. And uh, we're still kind of, uh, kind of mid-play here with the, uh, with the Agilence business. Awesome. You've, you've brought up a whole bunch of points that I want to kind of dive into because <laughs> I think that they're there's some really good ones that I've been, I've been making some notes uh, for us to kind of uh, dive into a couple of them. But before we do that, um, I I want to, to ask, you know, obviously I was, you know, you do a lot within, you know, some of the companies that you have been working on and are working on currently outside of the office, you know, before we dive into a whole bunch of these other topics outside of the office, what, what, what else do you like to do? Well, I do have to say that building companies has become my enduring passion, (laughs) but, uh, I, uh, I am very devoted to my family. I have uh, uh, a woman that I've been married to for over 30 years, uh, four kids. All of them are off the payroll, which is a gratifying thing to me, and uh, uh, contributing members of society, which is quite what I'm quite happy about. Uh, and I'm now a grandfather, so my family has been very important to me. I've uh, been a lifelong uh, pet owner. I have dogs and uh uh, I enjoy spending time with them, but I but I would say the one thing outside of uh, outside of building the company, and it actually it's it permeates that as well, is you know having a personal commitment to continuously learning and continuously educating myself about uh, about not only business but about the world and people and how it works. Uh, I'm a big reader. I like to get exercise, and so uh, I walk about six or seven miles a day uh, during the season. I golf and ski. Uh, and, uh, I keep pretty busy overall. Okay. That's awesome. What, what, uh, what kind of dogs do you have? Well, my, the two dogs that I have today are, uh, Irish doodles. You may have heard them in the background <laughs> there a little bit. And for that, I apologize. They're, uh, they're a, a unique, uh, you know, the, the world is, is, uh, is increasingly populated by, by doodle uh, hybrids, hybrids. Uh, and I kind of accidentally fell into this, but, uh, they're uh, their combination Irish setters and miniature poodles, and they are the funnest two dogs that I've ever had in my life. And uh, we just uh, they they go with me on my walks every day. They're uh, they're just uh, they're just a joy to have around. And uh, you know I've got a lifelong experience with dogs. These, these two are my seventh and eighth dogs in my life. So it's it's been great. That's. That's awesome. The, the, the doodle hybrids are, are definitely becoming quite, we actually just, uh, we have a six month old golden doodle 
uh, who is now. Oh, you do. Okay, great. Yeah. Yeah. So we, uh, and he, we have a, a 12 year old golden retriever and now a, a six month old golden doodle. So yeah, super, super fun dogs, both the golden retriever who is in surprisingly good health. And, uh, now the, the very, very young golden doodle who I, I will say like super fun, super fun dog. So that's awesome. Um, yeah, yeah, that's great. Well, congratulations. Yeah. They're good. They're great. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, we have a whole bunch of different, uh, things to kind of dive into and, you know, I'm interested, you know, first off on, you know, some of the different things that you've learned across the different companies, because obviously, you know, you've worked from really, really large companies like AT&T all the way down to really small companies like you were talking about. What have been some of the the highlights and and challenges, you know, across these different types of companies and across the different industries that, that you've seen both you're working with really, really large organizations and really, really small ones? Well, there's, there's, there's so many things we could talk about. One of the first things I guess I would mention is don't let anyone tell you that you can't do something. Um, I spent 15 years at uh, Lucent Technologies, one of the largest. It was, uh, you know, it was one of the versions of AT&T, but uh, started as AT&T when AT&T Information Systems ultimately became Lucent Technologies. And when I was making the transition to a very small company, my, my first company, Paragon Networks, had only 10 people when I started there, eventually grew it to about 135. But, you know, at 10 people, the, uh, the, one of the, one of the uh, people was, was the founder. And the founder uh, didn't believe that I could make the transition to a small company and basically told me that I should not consider continuing with the interview, that I, it's probably pretty clear that I wouldn't be able to to survive or, or certainly not thrive and most likely not survive in a small company. And uh, I summarily ignored him and have proven that, uh, that um, you know, my instinct was, uh, was more important than, than his opinion. And so one of the things I've learned is to take people's opinions with a grain of salt and make your own decisions about things. And I think, I think that's good advice for, for everyone. That doesn't mean don't listen. I think you should listen. Uh, but, um, you know, you really have to have your own set of goals and uh, your, your own set of uh, uh, skills and confidences and, uh, and you have to believe in yourself. So that's, that's one thing that, you know, across my, uh, my career, I've, uh, I've come to, to hold to be very sacred. Um, yeah, one of the other things that I've learned is it's, it's all about the team. It's all about the people. Um, my basic philosophy is that if if you take care of the team, and by that, I, I don't mean gratuitously, I don't mean being, you know, just raises or things like that or paying. I, I mean, listening to people. I mean, engaging people in the, the process and engaging them in both exploiting the opportunities and the challenges. If you do that, you'll have people that are committed to the business and committed to doing what's required to make it a success. And that is in most cases meaning taking care of customers. So if you take care of people, they'll take care of the customers. And if the customers are taken care of, then the shareholders are going to be taken care of. And so it's a kind of a closed loop. Take care of the people, take care of, they'll take care of the customers. The customers will take care of the shareholders. And, you know, we are in this for not, not just the, the glory of doing it, the, the shareholders will take care of the team. 
the, the shareholders will take care of the people. So it's a it's a closed loop of success that I've seen work again and again. And it uh, it drives my perspective of uh, making sure that the team understands uh, uh, where we're going and participates in both deciding where we're going and how we're going to get there. Uh, and by getting that kind of buy-in, uh, you can can you can kind of speak with one voice as a company, and you can uh, move toward achieving the objectives that you want. People really do want to be part of something bigger than themselves. Uh, Goals are extremely important as well. And, and, and I believe this, by the way, in both business and in life, that it's important to have goals. And I do mean that in a plural sense. Uh, you, know, you have to have big, hairy goals, big things that you want to accomplish, but you need a lot of smaller goals too. Even if it's just, you know, having, uh, having a, a good uh, discussion with your son or daughter or, you know, engaging a new employee. One of the things I like to do is, uh, uh, be part of the onboarding process of people. We're, we're starting to get to be a large company now, uh, but I take the time. We're in the hundreds, not not in the thousands. But I like to take the time to to meet with uh, new new employees, usually in a group, and tell them about what the the goals of the company are and how we got to where we are, and and solicit their input on the validity of those goals and. And try to try to encourage them to be aligned around what we're all about, and and so uh, that's been a that's been a very very important part. The whole people, customer, shareholder, people kind of closed loop, and uh, and being sure to always be setting and reevaluating goals. You know, on the downside, the, the technology can be a harsh uh, a harsh uh, uh, master and. Uh, uh, sometimes you can be in situations where uh, the market, the environment is changing so dramatically that you find uh, the company out of step. Uh, and so uh, that can result in, you know, disappointing results. It can result in disappointed customers and disappointed uh, people. Uh, but the, but the, even though that's a, a problem and a kind of a, a negative uh, uh, these are great learning opportunities and 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 ways to, uh, I guess, build on your own humility. Make sure that you stay humble, uh, that you uh, you react to the world rather not not in a negative way, but in a positive way. Learn from what you've done uh, and do better. Probably the biggest single challenge that I've had is uh, when I've gotten caught in one of those situations, and we've had to do layoffs. Uh, and so probably the worst experience I've had in my life is having to uh, uh, lay off people in the company and uh, and to handle those kinds of conversations with uh, uh, with directness and clarity. Uh, and so if uh, so now I have a no layoff policy, which basically means that I'm never going to let myself get ahead of myself. I'm not going to get out over my skis, as they say in skiing. Uh, and, uh, and so, uh, I've changed to moderating my, my growth expectations and, uh, you know, it requires me talking to the, the existing team and telling them that, you know, maybe we're not going to hire as many people as we ought to, and that might put a little pressure on them. Uh, but the, the end result is more security over the long run. And I'm, I'm quite happy to, to talk about uh, our success at Agilence during the pandemic. Uh, we were able to uh, 
uh, move through the pandemic, uh, despite you know significant challenges, without ever having to lay off any people in the company. And uh, that's something that I've learned that uh, that I want to never have to go through again. That's that's really incredible, and and I I'd, I'd love to uh, touch on that just a little bit more because I mean we see right now lots of companies going through that. Um, you know, especially in technology, you know, a lot of companies have kind of like you said overhired or overextended themselves and are now cutting back significantly. And for me, kind of like you mentioned, that is a sign of, um, and to put it very frankly, like poor management where you've, you've uh, over uh, estimated your growth, you overextended yourself and now employees are kind of bearing the brunt of that where now you have to make significant cutbacks and, um, you know, tell us more about how, you know, how you view that and, and, you know, how kind of how you're handling that, because to me, that sounds like really, really exceptionally good management, but also a really difficult thing to do in order to, you know, find that right balance of being able to not have to go through some of those challenges, but to bear kind of some of the pain of it as you're, as you're growing and doing it in the right way. Yeah, I I, uh, I agree that right now we're in a you know a, a downward cycle in, in terms of the big big tech companies. Uh, many of them did gr- did add too many people and they did it too quickly. Some of it, I think, was false analysis. So I, I think the root cause there for some of the leaders of those companies is is false analysis, um, exacerbated by you know really truly extraordinary conditions. Uh, so. Um, I don't think the managers of of, uh, of the big tech companies, uh, uh, you know, are dumb. I don't think that they are uh, were born uh, with uh, these kinds of faults. But I do think that they did uh, not analyze the situation correctly, especially the impact of the of the the pandemic. So you see a company like uh, like Zoom or even Amazon. You know, they the 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 pandemic was uncertainty, uh, and uh, in that uncertainty, many companies, my company, for example, which is was focused on the retail business, uh, you know, we immediately saw uh, a negative impact from the pandemic, and uh, we saw our customers' revenues dropping uh, dramatically over the first uh, six months of the pandemic, whereas. Uh, you know, companies like Zoom and Amazon saw huge increases in the demand for their products and services. And the analytical mistake they made was that the idea that this was going to continue forever. So they got ahead of themselves. They hired too many. I don't think they did it with any kind of, you know, malice or, you know, uh, I, I don't think they're, quote, bad managers. I just think they're bad analysts <laughs> in this scenario. As far as, far as my approach my approach is to always to be a little bit conservative. Now, some people, you know, my my background is in venture-backed companies, and I've, I've frankly I've gotten knocked around a little bit for not being aggressive enough, for not telling too too broad or too aggressive a story uh, about how the company could grow. I've I've, I've usually tried to moderate what I think is possible uh, and to be a little cautious about. About overspending, I'm 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 very very focused on the dollars. I'm very focused on cash. Uh, you know, a lot of people look at PL, They all, everybody looks at balance sheet. These are important things, but cash is king. 
uh, as the old saying goes. And if you focus on cash and you adopt a little bit of a conservative perspective, um, you might not hit the highest high that is possible, uh, but you'll still hit a pretty good high and you'll be uh, be being conservative on the cost side. And, and so when, when inevitably things change and, and sometimes they change for the worse, and in the case that we're seeing today with companies like Zoom uh, and Amazon is that, uh, you know, the demand didn't continue at the, at the level that uh, was indicated during the first year of the pandemic. And, and so uh, now they're finding themselves, as we get back to some kind of uh, market equilibrium here, they're finding themselves behind the curve and, and needing to, needing to uh, adjust. And so I guess the other lesson is to have a little bit more of a long-term perspective uh, and to, uh, uh, you know, go a little slower when, when you're growing. Yeah. I, I think that's really, really great advice. Obviously, you know, think not just short-term, but, uh, long-term, you know, what, what is this going to look like? And being a little bit, uh, conservative, obviously, but also, you know, will, will this last forever? And the answer is probably almost always no, it's not going to be this way forever. <laughs> well, it definitely is always no. The only question is to what, you know, to what level is it going to sink or potentially rise yeah. or, uh, you know, to what extent is it going to stay the same? But um, the, the, the stay the same option is, is uh, I'm not, I can't predict the future. And, and if I could, I wouldn't need this job, right? So we know it's going to change. We know there are going to be challenges. We know there are going to be opportunities. And so uh, staying nimble, staying flexible, uh, developing options. Uh, that's another point that I'd like to make is, uh, you know, I, I always like to have options. I always like to think about options and I always like to encourage my team to have options. You know, the pathway that we're on today is not the only options. There are other options to execute on. And it, 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 it's, a, it's good practice. It's good hygiene to consider options on a continuous basis and reevaluate the option that you've chosen uh, against those other alternatives. Yeah, I think that's really, really good. Maybe you can tell us a little bit more about how you go about that. So, you know, as you're reviewing these things, as you're considering, you know, the path that you're on, you know, the potential path that you could be on, you know, how do, how do you do that? And because I think that's a really important thing, you know, not just continuing on a path because you're on it or because it's the way it's always been done. But, you know, what are the potential things that we could be doing? And And you kind of mentioned this you know, coming into companies and evaluating what you're doing and then, you know, making pivots kind of like you, you did at, uh, at silver, it was silver storm, right? Silver storm. Yes. Silver well, storm, actually all three companies. Yeah. Like silver storm and at, uh, agile. At, I keep wanting to say agilence, but you know, it's agilence, agile, agile intelligence, agile. Agilence. <laughs> um, and you know, the companies you've been at, you know, coming in and making, uh, these pivots and making these changes because you're evaluating these potential options, kind of walk us through what that looks like to you, how you encourage your teams to do it, and then how you go about making some of these changes as you evaluate these different options. Well, I've had the uh, the benefit of coming into these companies uh, when they were already going concerns, right? So I kind of parachute in as the new executive officer and and my my pattern and what has what has worked for me has been to, to even, even with the investors who have hired me, is to tell them, look, I, I, I really don't know your company. I, I, this company that you want, want to hire me for, 
I'm not sure about it. I don't know enough about it yet. And so uh, as I would tell the people that are hiring me, you know, my approach is to come in and uh, for the first three months or so to just to learn, just to be a sponge and soak up as much information as possible. And so typically that includes uh, three constituencies in addition to the investors. So, you know, when, when, when you're, when you're interviewing or being considered for a position uh, as a CEO like mine, or really any, any position, I think, you know, you have an opportunity to talk to the hiring managers you talk to, and in my case, it's been the investors. And so you have a pretty good understanding of what their objectives are. And so then uh, what's worked for me is to come into the company, take a few months to understand what's going on. And that first means talking to the team and, and, and pretty much talking to everybody, getting around to all the groups, understanding what their perspectives are around the company's uh, assets and, uh, again, the value proposition, the um, uh, the value that we bring to the customers that we serve. Uh, also, understand what they think isn't working, and and understand, you know, whether the whether their view of the strategy is 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 aligned across the organization. The second group that I want to talk to is I want to talk to my customers. I want to talk to the company's customers, and so I've made it a, a you know a, a part of my kind of personal onboarding is to get out and talk to as many customers as possible. Usually, I talk to a couple before I've come on board these companies, but I, I do make an effort to go out. And, and, and certainly talk to the top 10% of the companies, um, maybe a few others uh, randomly in terms of the, their size. Um, and then finally, and this is the thing that has, you know, in some cases made people scratch their heads about me, is I, I go out and talk to my competitors. It, uh, typically what I've done in the first couple of months is I've rung up the CEOs of the companies that I compete with and asked to have an opportunity to meet with them. And Talk a little bit about uh, you know the, our perspectives, our our our, our individual perspectives, and in our individual companies, but also usually trying to talk about how there are things that we have common interests in. So, you know, usually your competitors are you know providing a similar value proposition and you know delivering s s similar use cases to the to the customers, and and so in in some sense we have some alignment around around some of the things we want. We, we, we want customers con to consider our software. Whether they buy my software or your software is a different question of whether we want them to consider this type of software. And so I found that to be very useful in understanding the landscape, understanding the competitive landscape. Almost always I learn some things that are gonna help me compete against that company. Almost always, I'm probably sharing some things that are going to help them compete against us. So, so the data gathering and the understanding is probably the first step from my perspective. And then once I've once I've gathered all that information and I understand the assets that the company has and what the team's perspectives, customer perspectives, and you know competitive challenges are going to be, then I, then I, then it's a question of you know kind of green lighting the the uh, or green fielding rather green fielding the options. Uh, and that's a collaborative process, and it has to be done with the management team uh, and maybe the extended management team of the company. And, and that's really, a, as I said, a greenfield. It's, uh, okay, well, what are the things we could possibly do? And let's, let's purposely develop a set of options about uh, directions that we can take, goals that we can aspire to. Uh, and, then, and then once we've kind of, uh, you know, greenfielded these things, once we've kind of got a list of possible ways to move forward, 
uh, let's do an evaluation and an assessment of likelihood of success in those areas. And again, this is a collaborative process with the team. It, it not only helps you craft a better strategy, but it engages the team in a common effort. We, we are engaged in a common enterprise. That, that is the fundamental thing about a team is that we are trying to achieve certain goals. So, so let's go through a process and agree on the goals that we're trying to achieve. Let's make sure that that is tempered by reality in terms of the environment that we're in. And then let's figure out um, the best option that we can execute on or that we can attempt to execute on against the, the, the various possibilities that are out there. And then once we've, once we've, we've done that, let's go, let's go full force on achieving that option, achieving the goals associated with that option uh, without being overly uh uh blind to possible things that we hadn't noticed in other words always be ready to adjust and evolve and to to make uh uh corrections in in your pathway and so that process is what I've done in all three companies <coughs> in many ways it's a continuous process on an annual basis we we check we check ourselves we discuss our goals whether they're reasonable we check uh, our plans and the go-to-market that we're using, uh, and uh, we adjust if we if we have to or if we think it's necessary. Uh, and so I find that to be a very effective way of not only centering on a most likely pathway to success, but also uh, reinforces that we work as a team, that we're that we're one team, that we're engaged in a common enterprise and that uh, everybody has an ability to impact our results. I think that's really good. And especially bringing in all of those different aspects of it. So, you know, the, the you know, competitive landscape, the customers, the team, all of those different areas make it a really compelling case. How do you use all of that uh, to really kind of drive uh, some of the changes, especially when they're, you know, big shifts in, either what the company was doing, you know, from what the company was doing before or from what the teams were doing before. Cause often that can be a, a, a difficult thing. If, if you're shifting from, you know, really one big focus to another big focus, um, you know, even with all of the information or, or, you know, the new vision and strategy, you know, making a, a big change can be difficult for, you know, certain people or certain groups, if, especially if, you know, they, they may not be completely sold. So how have you managed those, especially if it's, you know, a more difficult transition for, for certain people or certain groups? <laughs> well, in a word, in, imperfectly. <laughs> it's, 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 it is very hard. Changing companies is a very, very hard thing to do. And um, the, the, you know, it, it again comes right back down to people from my perspective. So uh, if, if you go through the kind of process that I described, you are going to surface a couple of things. You're going to surface whether you're aligned with the external environment. In other words, you're making decisions about the goals and uh, 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 strategies that you're going to execute on, tactics that you're going to execute on. Uh, it, you, you have to have an understanding of the environment and is that environment going to be uh, supportive of what you're trying to do. After that, after you're convinced that's the case, then it really becomes a people issue, right? So change management is about people management. 
I am not going to be able to change the company by myself. I have got to have an aligned organization that is aligned at the senior management team, that is aligned at the extended management team, and is you know aligned at the at the foot soldier level. Everybody needs to be working in the same direction, and almost certainly when you are making major changes in strategy, you will have pushbacks from people. And, and th these are welcome and expected. Uh, now, if those pushbacks are, uh, you know, commentary about environmental things or external issues, then those are very valid things to discuss and, and, and to move forward and to address. And those should drive changes or, you know, tweaks in the in the strategy that you're going down. But if they're not that, if they're if they're kind of what I call religious ideas that, you know, you've got team members that are not aligned with the strategy, uh, then you have to then you have to address those situations. And so um, you really have to make sure that the people are all that we are all rowing in the same same boat. Uh, I think it was uh, uh, Congressman Lewis that said that, you know, we are we all arrived here on different boats, but we're in the same boat now. So let's figure out how we're going to move forward. And by the way, if you don't want to be in the boat, then then you should they should get off. And and you know and I, I don't I don't mean jump into the ocean. I mean that uh, again, people are the most important. So even people that are not aligned with the strategy or uh, aren't believers in the direction that we're going, this new direction that we've decided upon. Um, if they're never going to be believers, then it's then it's time for them to move on to do something else. And it's my job to help them see that and to help them achieve their goals. Right. My 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 philosophy with people is that I want you to achieve your goal. I hope your goal is aligned with mine. And if it is, we're going to be very happy and we're going to work together well. If your goal isn't aligned with mine, then we need to address that. And what that basically means is that we need to find a place for you to achieve your goals and and that almost certainly is outside of this company and so so let me help you do that and so that's a tough thing well it's not really that tough actually i think um i think helping people find what what they want to do is an important part of team development it's important part of ensuring that the team that you have inside the company understands that management is going to be supportive no matter what it is you want to do we want you to be here because you want to be here. We want you to be here because you're aligned with the strategy that, that we're executing on. And uh, and uh, if that isn't the case, then uh, then you'll do better and we'll do better uh, if you move on to something else. And so uh, it's one of the hard realities, but I think it's uh, it is a key for success in any uh, small technology company. Right. Many of the things I've described are, are talking about getting input and talking about you know, valuing what people have to say and how they operate. Uh, but I don't want to, uh, you know, mistake that for uh, that uh, the running a business should be a pure democracy. It is not a pure democracy. It should have elements of, of uh, support and consent. It should have elements of uh, democracy in terms of people being heard. But at the end of the day, the CEO's job is to make decisions. The CEO's job is to be, uh, you know, kind of a, uh, a benevolent uh, participant in the democracy and to overrule things when they're when they're not uh, aligned with the overall strategy and goals. 
Yeah. I, I, I love so much of what you said there and, and definitely agree with it. I, I think that, um, you know, having the right level of dissent is, is critical in any organization because I think having everybody constantly agree on everything obviously doesn't give you the right level of input up and down the chain. Um, you know, being, not being able to see the areas that, you know, you may be blind to, uh, both as executives and as managers and at whatever level. Um, but also understanding that it really is about caring about people that, you know, it, it's not just a matter of everybody's got to be aligned or, you know, get out. Um, it, it's a matter of, you know, caring about individual people and people on the team. And, and that's ultimately what, co- you know, a, a company is, and it, it's about the people. And, and just because, um, you know, at some point somebody may not be fully aligned anymore, that doesn't mean that, like you said, you got to toss them off the boat. You know, we, we can still be humans about these types of things and help people find the right places, you know, whether that's, you know, on the boat in a different place, on the bus in a different place, as people have said, or a different seat at a different place that is more aligned with, you know, what they could be doing and what would be beneficial for them and the company. And, you know, being very human and empathetic about all of these things so that it's, you know, a very beneficial thing for everybody involved, for for the team, for the company, and for the individual. I think that those are important things because at the end of the day, we're we're all people and we're companies made up of people. And so I, I think that uh, you, you've hit it on the head where it's, uh, it's important to have all of those things. And at the end of the day too, it's important that we recognize that uh, we have to make decisions and that's kind of what leaders are there to do as well. And so we may not all agree, but I think it's an Amazon thing of disagree and commit. And that's kind of what we do at, at times too. We may not agree, but we'll disagree and we'll commit and we'll move in in the direction and we'll make things happen. So I think that that's, those are some really, really good points. I think, and I think you said that very, very well. I said it extremely well. Disagree and commit is, is, uh, is a very succinct way of, of, of describing it. You know, we, we want conversation. We want pushback on things. We want people to express themselves as long as there it is in the context of achieving uh, a common goal and executing on aligned strategies. So uh, I think you said it very well, and I, I completely agree. If if all I have surrounding me are people that are going to tell me that I'm right, which unfortunately is is a, a situation that exists in in uh, many companies. I mean, we could we could we could look at uh, some of the, the recent things that are going on with companies like Twitter and, and others, and you know. You, you need pushback and you you need uh, kind of uh, creative challenges uh, among the team that makes you stronger. Uh, but if there is a fundamental alignment on on the long term goals and the strategies for getting there, then then there, there's uh, uh, there's a, an opportunity for for people to find uh, uh, better situations. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm curious because we've touched on this a little bit, but uh, you know, you you've talked about data and analytics and the importance of it. But how have you seen that change over the course of your career? And you know, how how do you leverage that now? And and you know, where where do you see that going into the future? Well, so the world is awash in data, and uh, and in my career, 
we've gone we've gone from you know essentially this is pre XL probably yeah. you know when I first started we we worked everything out in in uh, longhand on pieces of paper and you know adding up numbers and so the amount of data that we were working with was was very limited and our ability to manipulate it has been very limited and you know um, over time you know the the first the invention of the spreadsheet uh, uh, as well as the the growth in uh, the amount of data that's available and the technologies that are available to manage that data. So I'm talking primarily about database technologies. Uh, these things have just exploded and, and truly exploded exponentially. A lot of people use the word exponential to describe things that are multiplicative. You know, it's two or three times as, as many. The, 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 the amount of data that is now created on a daily basis is, is just mind boggling. It's, it's even hard to express. Uh, the tools that are available now to manage that data in terms of, uh, in terms of database technologies and, you know, data lakes and, uh, and, uh, Snowflake and all these other different kinds of approaches have, uh, dramatically changed the, relationship between an individual and the data. Uh, the challenge and the one that Agilence is uh, addressing is trying to make it easy for the average layperson, for the average individual in a company to take advantage of the data that's in those companies without having to be a data scientist themselves. So I think what we've seen is you know, a very, very, very technical, aggressive, evolutionary process in terms of uh, database technologies and the, the amount of data itself uh, and the ability to make that, uh, to democratize that, to make it available to the average person has been much slower. And I think uh, increasingly now we're seeing uh, techniques that are developed, being developed and evolved uh, that are allowing that to happen much more easily where an individual can either in natural language or in, you know, simple mathematical equations uh, be able to articulate clearly what it is they want. And the, 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 the data technologies themselves and, and, you know, increasingly we're seeing machine learning and AI help in this area. I mean, machine learning and AI have been around for a long time, but uh, I think we're finally seeing that breach the kind of last, uh, the last uh, bridge or breach, you know, to, to bridge the last breach uh, between the average person's ability to make, to create value out of data, uh, again, without having to uh, be a scientist or be a technologist themselves. And I think that has been the last frontier. It still is the last frontier. Uh, and we're getting closer and closer and closer to it, largely because of the evolution that's happened in technologies. Uh, I, I left out the commentary about the, the internet and the connectivity, the ability to immediately be able to uh, get clarification about what terms mean, about what yeah, about what's available in terms of resources. I mean, these things have, have changed our lives uh, dramatically in, in ways that we don't even fully understand ourselves. But I like to think of it as that, that bridging of that final gap between the, the data and the average person. And, and I think we're getting very close to getting there. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we've touched on a lot of technologies there and, and kind of across everything, but 
Is there anything particular that you're most excited about either, you know, in the near future or you see kind of coming down the road? Well, I think uh, I think it is in the area of um, artificial intelligence. I, I am not a believer in uh, in. I'm not worried about artificial artificial intelligence personally. I think a lot of people are worried about it. They're worried about uh, the so-called sentient uh, creature. The, you know the the idea that a that a robot can eventually uh, think independently. That that is, uh, I think, not possible personally. I think uh, computers, excuse me, databases. What's happening is where we are, uh, these are inanimate objects. These are things that we act upon. Uh, they do what we tell them to do. That may include learning things and they can learn things, but even things like uh, this uh, uh, this new chat uh, GPT, for example, uh, this is a, a technology that people are worried about. They're worried about, uh, we're worried about uh you know the 2001 space oddity with uh, space uh, odyssey rather with uh you know uh the computer refusing to open the pod bay doors for the for the spacewalker and i i may be referencing something that you're not really that familiar with but you know the idea that the computers are going to take over the world and then they're going to turn against us i think is a is a pipe dream i don't think that that's ever going to happen but i but at the same time i do believe that uh, through things like chat GPT and uh, the other advances that are happening in the AI world today, that these tools are becoming more and more and more usable, and they're usable to make our lives better. They're usable to make our work easier. They're usable to make our insights clearer and uh, and our lives better. And and I'm, I, for one, am very, very optimistic about the future and about uh uh, the kinds of things that uh, that we're going to see uh, in the AI world as we move forward. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely agree. What advice would you give to anybody just starting out? Obviously, you've, you know, you've been through a lot of uh, companies, a lot of uh, different areas, you know, for, for somebody, you know, new starting out, um, you know, what, what advice would you give to them? Well, uh, I think the first three words I would say is goals, 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 and I and I mean that very broadly. Uh, so you have to understand what how you want to use your life. I mean, the reality is is we only we were only around once. Uh, people and these are these are a little bit cliched, but um, my personal view is that you have to have goals. You have to be guided by goals. It's the advice I've given my own children. Uh, and those goals have to cover, there, there's, there's multiple goals covering a wide range of things. So there's personal goals, there's business and life goals, there's relationship goals. Um, I think it makes great sense for people to spend some time to really understand the goals that they want to execute on, the goals that are meaningful to them. It's going to be different for every person. And even, by the way, if the goal ultimately proves to not be a valid goal that it, that you change it sometime in the future the simple fact of having a goal today sets you on a direction it moves you forward it allows you to put one foot in front of the other which is really existentially all we 
as humans, I think, really need is the, the ability to move forward in life and not to get stymied and not to be overwhelmed or depressed by the world. It's have a goal and move toward it. Be willing to change that goal, but continue to move toward it. And, and so that's one of the fundamental things that I, that I think uh, you have to have uh, to, to make things work. And that can be applied, you know, in, in kind of the grand, what do I want to do with my life kind of uh, situations, but it also can be uh, applied on a very, very macro. Like, wh what is my goal for talking with you folks today? And what is my goal for the rest of my day today? And how, how do I want it to end? And what do I want it to do? So, so I think goals are very important. Um, I'm not a, I'm not a proponent too much of advising, uh, young people just do what you love. I, I'm, I'm not sure that is good enough. I, I think it's good to know what you love. And if you can align your goals with what you love, then that's fine. But for me personally, I, I, I goals are what I had and, uh, it's brought me into places where I've had to do work that isn't what I love. And, I, and, I, and that's where I think the problem with uh, with that recommendation or that advice is if if you're only doing what you love, then you never stick anything out that provides challenges. Right. Um, my view is that you have to you have to pay your dues. You have to kind of work your way through your life um, and you've got to be responsible for yourself. I'm not I'm not a fan of uh, people being drags on society. You know, your your minimal objective is to be uh, supportive of yourself and to not not be a a, uh, a drag, not 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 have somebody else have to support you. Yeah, you, you need to be responsible for yourself. And then, you know, once you're responsible for yourself, then it's this very, very small leap to become responsible for others, which I think we have to adopt as a I, at least I have adopted. Uh, I am as responsible for other people's success as they are for mine. And certainly I am as responsible for their success as I am for mine. And so that doesn't always come with doing things that you love. Sometimes it's important to do things that you have to do to achieve the goals that you've set out for yourself with the hope that at some point there'll be a convergence between what you love and the goals that you've set for yourself. So that's, uh, I think that's, uh, that would be my beginning, my beginning uh, recommendation, my beginning advice. That's great advice. And even the things that you love have aspects of it that are, are going to be less than glamorous. So even if you do find those things that you love doing, uh, which probably all of us have, I know that there are things that I love and am passionate about. There are aspects of it that I do not love to do. So there will always be those areas that are the work of the the, the things that you love. So uh, I think that's, that's really great. Russ, this has been a really, really great conversation. I feel like we could dive into each aspect and I have multiple aspects of this for, for a lot longer, but are there any things that, uh, that you wanted to add before we kind of wrap up that, you know, we talked about or didn't get a chance to talk about? we covered a lot of great stuff here. And I, as you can tell, I would be happy to talk for hours. This is my, both my blessing and my curse. I, I love to talk. I love to discuss philosophical items and, and I love to build companies. So <laughs> no, I think, uh, I think this has been, been great. And I've really enjoyed the opportunity to chat with you today. And uh, hopefully there's uh, some value in, in what I've had to say. Yeah, I think this has been absolutely great. I think we've touched on uh, some really, really awesome, some point, great points. And and like you, 
I love talking about all of these things and and diving into both the the philosophical side and then how you know how you actually accomplish some of these things. So this has been a, a really great conversation. Um, I have a couple, uh, two kind of wrap up questions, but before we get to those, uh, where can people find out yeah. more about you, uh, the things that you're working on, um, anything else? Well, you of course can find me on on LinkedIn. Uh, Russ Hawkins, Agilence will get you there. Uh, of course, uh, I am interested in people knowing about our company, Agile Intelligence, Agilence, put those two together. And it's uh, agilenceinc.com is where you can find us uh, on the web. Uh, and uh, we'd, we'd love to love to have you visit us and, uh, and see what we're all about. Uh, as far as me personally, I'll be happy to give you my personal email, which is uh, rhawkins at agilenceinc.com. Okay. Awesome. We will That's put, the best place to get a hold of me. Perfect. We'll put all those in the show notes as well. So you can check those out in the links. Um, Russ, let me, uh, you mentioned at the very beginning uh, that you love reading. Um, so I, I, I definitely want to ask if you've read or watched or listened to anything recently that, that you wanted to, uh, to recommend. Well, you know, I, I've, uh, I'm a huge fan of a couple of uh, authors, uh, uh, there is a there is a podcast, or I guess it's more of a it's more of a blog post that I like. It's a, a blog post called No Opinion. It's uh, run by a guy by the name of Noah Smith. N O A H Opinion. No Opinion, and and he talks. Uh, this is something that I've recently been been looking at, and he talks about um, mostly about economics. But it's about applied economics and the way the world works, and I've I've found uh, many of his insights uh, uh, to be to be really really beneficial. Uh, I'm also a big reader of biographies. I think biographies can be very very illuminating. I'm getting close. I'm, I'm at Ronald Reagan now. I've been reading the biographies of American presidents in order, starting with Washington, and I'm up to Ronald Reagan. And uh, I have learned so many things and frankly, gotten a lot of context about uh, politics that have made me um, much less worried about our political situation today than uh, than some people in, in today's world. Uh, uh, the stresses on American politics have been significant throughout the history of this company. Uh, what happens on a day to day basis, what, what we're experiencing today may seem overwhelming or, you know, just uh, really deeply concerning. But the reality is, is that we've had these kinds of challenges over the course of our history. And uh, I've found that biographies are a great way to learn not only about history, but all about also about personal uh, decision making and, and personal leadership and uh, the way uh the way people approach their lives that I've found very rewarding. That's really great. Is there, is there one that you found particularly insightful or good? In terms of biographies? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Teddy Roosevelt and uh, I love the fact that he, he listened to his own counsel uh, despite being, you know, he was a very wealthy guy. So he, he's very different than I am in terms of the way that he started out his life. But you know, he uh, he basically used his financial independence to pursue lots of very 
uh, broadly valuable things in terms of the world. He's a creator of the national parks in the United States. He's, he was a reformer throughout his career. I just, I just love his personality and the way that he operates. And I would recommend it. There's a Robert Caro might be a little bit too heavy for everybody to start with, but there's a, there's a three volume, there's a, there's a three volume, uh, a set of biographies from him. I think it's Robert Caro. I may have that wrong, but, uh, anyway, uh, he's a great, he's a great read. Yep. Uh, those, I, those are some of the first ones that come to my mind as well. I, I, I have read those as well and, uh, they are very, very good. Actually, I think I've just read, uh, I'll have to double check, uh, the, the two books I've read on Teddy Roosevelt, but highly recommend as well. Very, very intriguing and and engaging reads. So, um, awesome. Uh, And somebody who had a courage of his convictions and did what, did what he thought was right. Uh, even if it was sometimes not so politically correct, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. And last question, any, any products that uh, you have used uh, recently that you've enjoyed or, or maybe not enjoyed? Let's see products. Well, I've been, I've been, uh, been experimenting with, uh, with uh, uh, wire, wireless headsets, not, you know, iPhone wireless headsets. And what I've learned is that I can go to TJ Maxx and I can buy, uh, a pair of wireless headset that work as good as iPhone for about $15. So the fact is I lose these things so often that uh, I can, I can afford to lose a $15 item, but not a hundred dollar item. So that's, that's, that's been a happy thing for me. <laughs> yeah. We, we get, uh, we get a lot of mixed reviews on, especially on the AirPods. So like we get people who love them and and hate them uh, coming in and reviewing them. So definitely the the Bluetooth earbuds are like we, we get a lot of love and hate uh, of people on. Well, I, they fall out of my ears. I don't know. I think I have deformed ears or something. But <laughs> but so I, I find myself losing them all the time. And and so the the fact that I can replace them for fifteen dollars is a it's a huge bonus for me. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. All right, Russ. This has been a, a really great conversation. Again, appreciate all of your insight, uh, especially with the experience that you have over over your career um, and the companies that you have been with, and uh, all of the different things that you've done. So, uh, this has been again a really, really great conversation, and appreciate all of uh, the time and uh, the insights that you have shared with us. Well, thank you so much for inviting me, and I uh, I've enjoyed the conversation and. Uh, Uh, really appreciate it. Really appreciate the opportunity. So thanks, Kyle. Awesome. All right. And thank you everybody for listening. We will uh, talk again on the next one. Thanks again for listening. If you like the show, be sure to follow or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. You can follow the show on Twitter at prod by design. That's prod underscore by underscore design. You can follow me at Kyle Larry Evans on Twitter as well. If you want more product conversation, check out my newsletter, Product Thinking, at productthinking.cc. You can follow me on Medium at Kyle Larry Evans as well, or check out my Medium publication, Product by Design. Thanks again.